never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Dracarys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the show that is eagerly waiting a callback about the tale they submitted to the Midnight Society. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, What's man. <laughs> um, well, um, it's we're, we're a couple days late in terms of our recording, but may the 4th be with you and happy Star Wars Day. Um, we just it was it, Star Wars Day was Tuesday. We record on Thursday. So it just kind of works out that way. I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> how, was your, how was your Star Wars Day, man? Uh, it was nice. Um, I wore a Star Wars T-shirt all day as well as a Star Wars hoodie. And uh, as soon as I was done wor- with work, I actually threw uh, a new hope on. And that was fun. But then at some point, uh, my kid ended up taking over the TV and we ended up putting some kids movie on. It was one of those situations <laughs> where I left the room and I came back and there was something else on. And I was like, but it's, it's Star Wars. day. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. How about you? Well, you didn't make him watch the uh, the Simpsons four minute Star Wars cartoon. I didn't even know about this. Is this new or is this? Well, let me put it this way. In terms of in terms of our watching and reading category, I didn't I was uh, pretty busy this weekend, um, so I didn't really watch anything new. Um, but uh, Star Wars Day hit and they put a bunch of stuff on uh, Disney Plus that I watched. So uh, we can get to that in a second if you. Uh, um yeah, sure thing. Wanna, I, I didn't watch the. Uh, no, I mean, I haven't really used Disney Plus much since the, uh, you know, since the finale of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, um, yeah, I wasn't aware of that Simpsons thing. You know, I just went on there and I watched, uh, you know, I just put the first Star Wars <laughs> movie on uh, sort of thing because uh, I'm, you know, I, I haven't watched all of Clone Wars, so I'm not ready to watch Bad Batch yet, which I'm sure you're going to talk about in a bit. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Should I jump into my watching and reading? Yeah, go ahead, man. OK, cool. So I think we talked about this last week. Um, I actually finished the movie Mortal Kombat, the uh, new yeah. one that's on HBO Max right now. I don't know that I have too much further to say that, you know, compared to what I said last week, because, it's kind of what we already talked about. Like we didn't actually get to the mortal Kombat tournament, you know, this movie kind of just felt like a preview, like a prequel almost, you know, and I, I agree with you in that I hope there's more to come in this mortal Kombat universe. Um, you know, as we, as we talked about before, like I love the tone of this, mo- of this movie. I love how the action and the gore is handled. Um, I mentioned some of the acting I thought was a little bit stiff in the movie, but that's really still my only complaint. Um, I love how Scorpion gets tied back into the movie um, towards the end of the film. And uh, just kind of how S- Scorpion's uh, story plays out is really awesome. Uh, did you have any thoughts on like the, 
the ending of Mortal Kombat, Drew? Well, what I not necessarily in the ending so much, but like the so like Scorpion's like ancestor. Um, is he do you know, is he an actual character from the mythos or was he created for the movie? Oh, like his descendant. Um, yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like Cole something or um, so I did research that a little bit. And I I guess I researched it super briefly. And from what I saw, he was made up for the movie. But okay. I could be wrong because I like I said, this was a really brief, you know, Google search that I did after watching the film. Um, well, I, I, do think, that, oh, I found that. I found that a little troublesome because I spent the whole movie following a character that I was waiting to find out who they were. And they ended up not really being anyone. I mean, they had a connection to someone, but not. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like it, he, I wanted him to be like an actual character from the game. Like that's what I no. thought he was supposed to be. And I'm like, okay, well we could have just followed the characters from the game and told the same story. You know what? I, I don't know. Like that kind of, that kind of struck me as really weird. So. No, I I absolutely agree. And I thought he was going to be a um, I thought he was going to be like a reincarnation of Scorpion. And then when he finally gains his powers and he has completely different look and different weapons that he uses and stuff, I was a bit confused and I was trying to figure out, you know, who is this guy exactly? And, uh, you know, the whole time watching the movie, I was still wondering Where's Johnny Cage? Where's Johnny Cage? And uh, obviously, if they do a sequel, we've seen that they're going to rope Johnny Cage into the story. Um, and I think this new character kind of took his place. Um, and I like I mean, I like the actor and I like kind of the story he's going with. I do think that his character design, I feel like, is a little less um, exciting compared to some of the other characters. And maybe that just shows in the fact that he's a new character who is made up for this film and he's not as uh I just don't think he looks as like I don't see his character design and think Mortal Kombat if I if that makes sense. I just kind of think, oh, it's a guy with golden armor who has uh that's, night sticks for some reason, you know? <laughs> that's that's kind of like what my head that might that might be why it didn't sit right with me. I don't know. Yeah, but it's it's also this at the same time, it's like they did overall a pretty good Mortal Kombat movie and if that's the one liberty they took but most of the most of everything else was done right I'm still fine with it you know yes I agree because <laughs> they could have they could have screwed up a lot of stuff and all they really did was added this new character that we're not quite sure about but uh you know we'll see if it, how his story plays out and you know he might end up being like a fan favorite two or three movies down the line so yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens Two, two or three movies, potentially. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that all you got a chance to finish out? No, there's a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, I had a really weird experience with uh, the movie Jason X <laughs> or Jay Songs <laughs> in the last week. Wow. Okay. So I, I think it was um, after we recorded last week, I think it was like the next day. I was just looking for something on Netflix to watch for like background noise. And I've never actually watched Jason X and that, you know, yeah. Jason X is on Netflix right now. Well, I, I, I like the Friday, the 13th movies, like especially when you go back to the first couple of them. I like those quite a bit. And I was like, I'll check this out. I've never watched this. It's a lot worse than I remember than I expected. And <laughs> the reason I say that is because they're in space. I watched. 
Well, <laughs> well, no, because at, we know every horror movie goes to space if it goes on long enough. Um, yeah. And this one is probably the worst case of horror going to space that I've seen because it's kind of like not that fun and not that memorable. And there's not a lot of really good kills. And there's a lot of action that happens off screen and stuff. And it's just kind of weird. It's like this weird low budget space sci-fi movie and space sci-fi movies don't really lend well to a low budget, uh, you know, movie, <laughs> movie cost. And I feel like that's seen a lot in this movie. Um, but the reason why I say I don't think it's very good and it's not even like bad in a fun way is because I watched about half of the movie last week and it was one of those things where I had to go to bed. So I turned it off and then I didn't finish it till a couple days ago. And I watched like, the last half an hour or so of the movie. And I had completely forgotten what was going on. <laughs> like the movie was so unmemorable to me that within a week, I kind of forgot everything. That being said, I think the end of the movie, they do some really cool stuff. Like there's a moment where uh, Jason is chasing down these people on the ship. And um, what this one guy who's kind of the computer hacker nerd of the group creates like a, holographic um, camp crystal lake that Jason kind of gets lost in for a while. And it's like this big distraction he sets up for Jason. And it's kind of a cool concept and it, the way it plays out is kind of interesting. But then there's a kill scene where he kills these random um, camp counselors and it's very B movie and played up for laughs. And I was like, if they did a serious version of this, there's actually some in interesting concepts, but they just, went the sort of low budget B movie route. Um, and I also, I did, I did appreciate the whole like Jason getting killed and then being brought back to life by nanobots that turn him into like a cyborg space, Jason. Like, I think <laughs> I thought that was really fun, but overall this movie was kind of forgettable, but I would still watch it with a group of friends if we we're just going to watch it and clown on it because it was, it was entertaining enough, but it, it just wasn't the greatest. Um, I don't know if you have any comments on Jason <laughs> or if I should move on to the last thing I watched. I, uh, I, yeah, I kind of stumbled into watching Jason X the same way you did. And the, I <laughs> want something to watch. Wow. I haven't seen this movie, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Um, the last, the last, uh, movie I wanted to mention is cause I've, I'm kind of in a weird retro, like horror movie kick. Like I just want to watch, old horror movies. And that's kind of why I watched uh, Jay songs as well. But um, I watched the 1975 movie trilogy of terror. And I'm sure you're familiar with this one, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this movie is uh, it's pretty similar to uh, dreamscape as far as my experience with it. Like I talked about dreamscape a couple episodes ago, but this is a movie that I caught like the second half of when I was a kid and it was on like AMC or something like that. And all I remembered from it is the Zuni hunting doll, um, you know, the the crazy African doll that this woman gets that is uh, haunted, essentially, I guess might be the best word for it. That ends up, you know, terrorizing this woman in her apartment. And uh, I was at a family gathering recently and somebody brought up this movie and I was like, man, I haven't seen that forever. You know, I want to watch it. And I uh, I looked it up and it's on Prime for free. So you can go watch this movie on Prime. And uh, it's a fun watch. It's a very weird movie because 
Well, first of all, it stars uh, Karen Black in all three. It's an anthology horror film, and it stars Karen Black in all three stories. And her acting in this movie in all three segments is actually very impressive. Like, it's really cool to see why they picked her as an actress for this movie, because she just her acting chops are just spot on through the whole thing. And I think she kind of her performance holds it together through each tale. Um that being said, the first tale is kind of like a really cool sort of uh, psychological um, kind of a cool tale with a twist on it. The second tale kind of does the uh, the same kind of psychological uh, angle to horror. You know, it's not really gory. It's not really gruesome. It's just kind of, you know, dark psychological concepts. The second story was super predictable, in my opinion. But that being said, this came out in 1975. So this might have been the first story to kind of do the kind of twist that it had. The third tale, of course, is the one with the Zuni hunting doll. And it's completely different than the first two because you have two like serious, dark psychological tales. And then the last one is this bombastic, crazy story about a woman in her apartment being chased by this little haunted doll that's trying to kill her, which I think that juxtaposition is hilarious. But it's just one of those things that when I watched it, I was like, okay, I can see why everybody just talks about the hunting doll when they watch this movie, because the first two tales are very subversive and psychological and not really that sort of bombastic, like visual, memorable sort of thing. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting um, aspect of the movie. And I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, I don't know if this retro horror kick of mine is going to go on much longer, but I've been having fun with it lately, so I might have more old movie reviews <laughs> in the coming weeks. But um, for Nothing me, that's about that. all that I've watched at this point. Uh, what'd you say? Nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's that's honestly all I've had had a chance to watch this week. Uh, how about you? Well, because uh, I told you last week that I was working on that movie for that that short film, um, that's kind of consumed me in terms of like we're like final cut, finishing it up. So I've watched that probably over and over and over and over and over again. So um, I watched that a lot. Um, like I said, eventually it'll be on YouTube and I can tell everyone where to go and all that stuff. Um, but because it's Star Wars Day, um, you can't not watch Star Wars. So um, on Star Wars Day, and I know it's all still up on Disney Plus now, so check these out. There is a four minute, five, four to five minute um, Simpsons short uh, called The Force Awakens from its nap. And it's all about Maggie. Getting, <laughs> it's all about Maggie getting dropped off at daycare, and the daycare happens to be all Star Wars themed. Um, and I love uh, it. It's, it's absolutely hysterical. Um, and then um, they have this thing called vehicle flythroughs. It's uh, it's like four four to five minute flythroughs of one is the Falcon, and the other one is uh, one of the First Order Star Destroyers, and it's literally like. No characters are on the ships and it's just the camera going through the ship and showing you like the stuff, like kind of like a virtual tour. Um, this is on Disney plus. Yeah. That uh, is awesome. I got to check that it's out. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like a five minute video for each one. And it's like a virtual tour of the interior of the ships and um, just kind of going down the hallways and like the bridges, the, the, the command bridge on the star destroyer, stuff like that. Um, the Falcon's interesting. Cause I feel like you see most of it. 
um, within all the movies. You do, but you know when you have like when you have like the Falcon parked at uh, the, the Disney Park, and people can actually go onto the Falcon, being able to take a camera in there and do like a filmed recording of the interior of the Falcon. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a there's an aspect to that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Cool. And then the other thing is they have on there. They have uh, it's called Star Wars Biomes. Um, okay. This is kind of an interesting thing. Um, it's B-I-O-M-E-S, if I'm pronouncing that right, biomes. Um, and it's like, I thought it was going to be longer than it was because when the description made me think it was going to be longer than it was. It's a virtual tour of several Star Wars planets. So it goes from planet to planet to planet. And it's literally like, it, it's like Tatooine. And they take a camera flying over the dunes of Tatooine slowly and you'll pass like the banthas in the sand and the sand dunes cruising along. And then you'll see a sand crawler like in a gullies cruising along. Or uh, when you're on Hoth, if you look at the ridge, you'll see a herd of tauntauns like running across the ridge with the land with the Imperial walkers in the background, kind of like moving towards the sunset. It's basically like, it's like a virtual screensaver for like the star Wars planets. Um, cool. It's, it's kind of cool. There's a couple in there that I'm like, there's a couple in there. You're like, yeah, of course they showed those. And then there's a couple in you're going, why would they show those? There's more interesting planets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just kind of cool to see that. And it's like, watch them on the biggest screen possible because like the Tauntauns, for example, on Hoth, I don't know if I would have noticed them if my TV wasn't as big as it was. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's really cool. I never really thought much about Tauntauns, uh, herding, but that's a really cool aspect of it. Um, did they have they didn't have like Jakku on there, did they? No, it was like Hoth, Tatooine, uh, this one planet from uh, one of the planets from Mandalorian, which I don't I'm drawing a blank on the name because that's such new Star Wars. I haven't fully digested everything from it because um, some of the planets they go to on uh, Mandalorian on the Mandalore on the Mandalorian show. I don't think I remember hearing a lot of those names <laughs> in dialogue so much as you got to like read through a little bit more. So, yeah, because um, I keep telling people keep telling me to watch the Mandalorian with uh, the subtitles on because there's a lot of information on in the subtitles. Um, let'll say like ship landing on whatever the name of the planet is. Um, so uh, I haven't fully digested every piece of information from that yet, but there, there's a couple in there. There's like two planets in there from that. And then uh, a couple plant like uh, crate is in there from, episode eight, which I thought was weird because that planet's there's nothing real spectacular about the planet. <laughs> there's nothing do, but salt, <laughs> nothing but salt. But when they, but what they do with the footage is kind of cool. So, um, just for the sake of the visual, but did they have any prequel planets? Um, no, no, oh, because I mean, the, the one thing you can say about the prequels is the world building in those movies is awesome. Yeah. And there's some, yeah. The prequel planets, there's some really cool stuff. Like, I'd love to see a flyover of Genosius or uh, yeah, Naboo or, you know, something like that. It tended to be primarily, and I hope they do more, but these tended primarily tended to be based around nature. Um, so instead of seeing the big cities and stuff like that, it's it was more like nature type background. It was it, it was like watching a Star Wars screensaver for like half an hour. So, yeah, still a cool concept, though. I'll definitely yeah. have to take a look at those. Yeah. And then the other thing and then the other thing I watched was The Bad Batch and it was awesome. Um, it's a follow up to The Clone Wars. It picks up literally like right away. Um, 
it kind of overlaps with um, episode three a little bit and overlaps with the ending of the Clone Wars. So in terms of what order do you watch them, you'll have to decide that one on your own. Um, but it was kind of cool because it, to overlap with episode three, they had to do the animation for a couple shots from episode three, which really blew my mind. I was like, whoa, look at that. Um, I thought that was really kind of cool because they had to do the animation for it um, just so it looked just for the seamless look of it. Um, but the Bad Batch overall was awesome. It was a 70 minute uh, episode um, and Bad Batch, just so everyone knows, uh, it released on a Tuesday. The episode normally will be airing on a Friday. So um, we're getting two episodes this week. And then after that, it'll be every Friday um, to follow suit like it always does. So. Um, yeah, I, nice. yeah. Um, with this show, I'm not super concerned with spoilers. Is there anything about the show itself you wanted to mention or Uh, anything like that? Because because I don't want to spoil anything for people. If you're not caught up with it, um, I don't want to say too much. It literally picks up on the, it, the show is going to be the gap. So think about it this way from episode three, when order 66 happens, the fall of the Jedi, uh, and Anakin becoming Darth Vader to the next point that we're aware of would be the Han Solo film, which is 10 years out. Um, after the Han Solo film, you run into the period where Rebels is and then you go into the original trilogy. Now, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, we were told it falls around the same time as the Han Solo film. So if you think about it, the Bad Batch is going to is going to be partially within the gap of episode three and Kenobi slash Solo, if that makes sense. So you have a 10-year gap of, like, the Empire really coming into the name of who they are as the Empire. And um, this is this actually could be a... This could actually end up being a fairly... Um, I don't want to use the word depressing. That's not the right word. But in the realm of what Star Wars usually is, this is definitely on the downer side because of the subject matter alone. I mean, I'm going to watch it and go, oh, my God, that's cool. Check out that vehicle and look at that character and all that stuff like I always would because it's Star Wars. But there's a story aspect to it because this is the downfall of the Republic because it's being changed into the Empire and the Empire is taking control. So, yeah, definitely a darker take, but it's kind of cool that they're. uh you know, bringing that chapter of the Star Wars saga to life. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, well, that's about it for me in terms of watching and reading. Um, do you want to jump to news? Because we have a lot. Yeah, let's go for it. OK, um, so news. This is like I said, we have a bunch. Um, I'm going to some of these we don't have to go too heavily into. Um there is a so first off, Morbius got delayed a week. Um, there was a there was a news story that Morbius got delayed again. And I was like, delayed again. What does that mean? It's being pushed back one week. So everyone don't panic if you see Morbius got delayed. <laughs> um, so there, there's a <laughs> there's a moment in the Jim Carrey Grinch movie where uh, have you when was the last time you saw that movie? I'm not a fan of that movie, so it's been a while. I'm not either, but my wife loves it, and she watches it a ton around Christmas. And there's a moment where they, uh, the town of Whoville 
crowns uh, the Grinch as like the Christmas Meister or something. They give him some crazy title <laughs> and then they parade him with gifts and uh, food and stuff. And there's this moment where you see Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey's version of the Grinch being shoved in the face with uh, desserts. So it's just constant like cupcakes and pieces of cake and candy just being shoved in his mouth. And Jim Carrey's just sitting there yelling, is that all you got? <laughs> is that all you got? And I don't know why this came to mind, except in this COVID world, I feel like there's been so many delays. <laughs> and at this point, like no delay could phase me. I so know. I'm just fe- every time a movie's delayed, I just feel like I'm the Grinch. And that scene just is that all you got? Is that all you had? I can take more. And that's what I feel with this story. I'm like a week delay. Like who cares? We've been, how long did we wait for new mutants? How long have we been waiting for black widow? Like this is, you know, no big deal for me. So sorry for that tangent. I just had the visual in my head and it had to get out. So no, it's all good. Um, so, so yeah, so Morbius got delayed. No big deal. Um, Marvel Studios, I don't know if you saw this. They released a trailer um, this week. It was essentially, I don't want, I don't even want to call it a trailer. It was basically like a video showcase um, that showcased the past films of the Marvel MCU and future MCU movies and actually showed some new footage um, of some things that we haven't seen yet. Um, and the footage showed a couple things from Black Widow that we hadn't seen, not much, but there was a couple things from Black Widow. It had some stuff from the Shang-Chi trailer embedded into it. Um, and then it had like a couple quick clips from the Eternals. Um, it did not have, and that was about the footage, but then it showed off title cards for Black Panther 2, which is officially titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Captain Marvel 2, which is called the Marvels and Marvels um, with its Marvels, it's the Marvels. And in the A, uh, in the letter A of Marvels, it's has uh, Photon's logo or Monica Rambeau's logo. And then the S of Marvels is the Miss Marvel um, S. Um, <laughs> we could <laughs> we could do a whole show just about this Marvel's logo. <laughs> the reason I'm bringing that up is because Captain Marvel 2 is shaping up to be about Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Monica Rambeau, or Photon, is my point. No, yeah, I mean, I, I figured it was going there, but that's okay. a, that'll be a cool team-up movie for sure. Um, but yeah, keep, keep going. I did see a lot of these. I didn't see the showcase, but I did see a lot of these... Uh, logos and marvel timelines being shared around yeah. so uh yeah yeah go on and then it landed and it showed us uh release dates for ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and guardians of the galaxy 3 release date uh will both be in 2023 but the the showcase was just kind of cool to do uh, it was a kind of a quick pastor i'm like what am i watching and then they started showing footage i'm like whoa um it was quick <laughs> it was it was quick and it wasn't really anything to write home about, but I was like, holy cow, they just showed us title after title after title. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I um, I hear this story and I feel like I need to get off of Twitter because people on Twitter just share screenshots of stuff without context. So I didn't know about this showcase, but I just saw you know, screenshots of logos and stuff like that. So I figured there was some big announcement and it's all really exciting. But at the same time, 
you know, I don't want to know too much before I see these movies too. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it all sounds awesome so far. Right. Um, okay. So in other Marvel news, um, let me see here. Uh, Andrew Garfield denies that he is in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, here now we've heard a lot of rumors that they're bringing back a lot of actors and like Spider-Verse, like how many Spider-Men are actually going to be in the movie and that kind of thing. Um, here's a direct quote. Um, Andrew Garfield says, I see how often Spider-Man is trending and it's like people are freaking out. I recommend that you all chill out. I can't speak for anyone else but myself. They might be doing something, but I haven't gotten the call. Um, so that to me says Andrew Garfield knows nothing about this and he's not actually in the movie. However, that also says to me that Andrew Garfield uh, understands how the Marvel thing goes and you keep your mouth shut. So he could be lying. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I could see it going both ways because I feel like since Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield has. I might be wrong, but I feel like he's exclusively been doing like these sort of. uh very like serious, well-regarded films like uh, Hacksaw Ridge and, uh, you know, similar films to that. So I don't yeah. know if he like takes himself too seriously as an actor at this point to go back to Spider-Man. But, you know, we'd all love him f to make a, an appearance. But uh, whether he's trying to uh, not reveal anything or if he's just not involved, I could see this one going either way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. Um, other Marvel news. Uh, Hugh Jackman wants a cameo as a, as a Wolverine cameo in Deadpool three. Um, that's awesome. Oh, of course. Yeah, I say let's do it. Let's get make that happen. Um, <laughs> and then Loki will stream on Disney Plus. It was the release date was June 11th. They're moving it ahead two days and it's going to be starting on June 9th. This is interesting. Disney um, has decided uh, they're tired of Disney Plus shows uh, coming out at the end of the week. Um, Loki is going to be airing on Wednesdays now instead of Fridays. So we're Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision uh, were on Friday. Loki is going to be on Wednesday. Now, in the realm of streaming, I don't know if the day of the week matters because people are just going to like go, oh, it's out. Sweet. I'll watch it when I get a chance. In the realm of regular yeah. television before streaming. Uh, television shows Friday night was the death slot. If you got your show aired on a Friday night, you were not going to last very long. If you were a Monday night primetime or a Tuesday night primetime show, and as your viewers dropped off, they eventually would move you into Friday knowing that no one's going to be watching you, but they're basically trying to get your show to the closest point where they can pull the plug and say you're off the air because you can't perform on a Friday night. The reason Friday night's a death slot is because people go out and have fun. They go to bars, they go to restaurants, they go have fun with their friends because they're getting ready for the weekend after a long week of work. They're not sitting in front of a TV. You're not going out on a Monday night drinking uh, knowing you have to get up Tuesday night. That's why Monday night's like a primetime TV spot for major networks. In the world of streaming, that doesn't work. So – uh, it doesn't really matter. So Loki will be on Wednesday. I don't know if that's going to follow suit to the other Marvel shows, but Loki's starting two days early. So yay us. Well, I'm I'm looking at this in the world of the top five report, and uh, we record on Thursday, so that means I only have one night to uh, watch Loki before <laughs> before we talk well, about it on the show. So <laughs> what I liked about that was that means I come home from work, I watch Loki, and I know the next day I'm going to be watching. I'm, we, we can sit and talk Loki. 
You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just a tighter record for us, which is awesome. So I know, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm sitting down with fresh thoughts. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So yeah, all right. Uh, moving on. Uh, found out that this kind of bums me out, but I understand. Doctor Strange was originally planned for the WandaVision finale. Um, in a print interview with Rolling Stone, uh, Kevin Feige explained that Doctor Strange's appearance would have taken away from Wanda and was scrapped in the late state in a late stage rewrite. Um, this is where I'm going to say I hear what you're saying, and it makes sense that he was not in the final ends of the finale. But having a Doctor Strange bonus scene at the end of the credits would have been normal Marvel amazingness. Um, and it would not have tracted from the story if you made it a bonus scene. And I know I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige knows that. But um, that would have been awesome if Doctor Strange was in the show. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a bit of a cop out. Um, not trying to be too you know, critique it too much, but the show is all about Wanda. I don't think Dr. Strange showing up was going to distract us from Wanda. Well, and what we all, Oh, keep going. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we just, we all love all these characters and I don't think the appearance of one necessarily overshadows the other one because everybody has their favorite superheroes and everybody cares a lot about all these different Marvel characters. So I think it's, it's a little bit of a, I'm a little disappointed as well as all I'm trying to say, but uh, no, sorry to derail you there. No, what I was just going to say is uh, Dr. Strange um, having him there. We all know that Wanda is in Dr. Strange too. So even, and if you didn't know that you're you, that would have been a moment of shock going, wait, what? And then Dr. Strange two comes out and you're like, Oh, cause it's connected to the thing. Like, you know, and that's, that's the Marvel way. That's how that's what they taught us. So um, the Marvel construct Marvel, like sort of reinvented the wheel when it comes to that, if you think about it. So they didn't have to do that, if you will. So, okay. yeah. And they, they did have that sort of they had a more subtle way of doing a Doctor Strange connection at the end of uh, WandaVision. So maybe it is a better ending. Maybe it is more subtle and they're not just hitting your head over with like, get it. It's connected to Dr. Strange sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you there. All right. Um, uh, Finn, when, uh, Finn Whitrock has been cast as Guy Gardner in HBO's Green Lantern series. Um, we haven't heard a lot from Green Lantern series in a while. Uh, a lot of people wonder if it's even happening still, but we have a casting for Guy Gardner, which is awesome. Um, since we were told it's going to follow multiple Green Lanterns. Um, that's cool that we're getting Guy Gardner. That's really all I got on that one. Um, <laughs> do, do you know the actor? Would I know the actor from anywhere? Or? Um, I haven't had a chance to look him up. I guess I could look him up now, but he, oh, uh, you, you, you don't have to, I was just curious. I was, but, literally, um, I, I was literally looking at like what, news i was literally like just pulling news fast if you will <laughs> well i think my reaction to this story is probably the same as yours where it's just nice it's still happening <laughs> you know we're still gonna get this green right. lantern series so that's yeah, uh it, yeah good to hear overall um uh the joke joker 2 is apparently still in the works okay yeah apparently they still want to make a second joker film which i think is odd but that's okay. Um, you might know Finn uh, Wintrock, Whitrock, if I'm saying his name right, from American Horror Story. Oh, interesting. I'll uh, have to look him up and see. Yeah, Ameri uh, see American Horror Story. Um, he was in uh, The Big Short. He was in Unbroken. Uh, those are the big ones. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, those are the big ones. Um, 
All right. So the Joker two might still happen, which I think is weird, but that's okay. Um, I only think it's weird because I, I feel like that. I feel like that one is a very specific one and done. If you're not going to have Batman in the movie, um, I don't see how you do another one of those without Batman. So, um, yeah, but at the same time, when you look at the character and how he uh, how his story played out, as well as the sort of uh, group of people he got to like rally behind his cause, so to speak, and stuff. I feel like there is places to explore after that. Um, it's just going to while it's going to be an interesting story moving forward, it's just going to get weirder and weirder that it doesn't have that DC Comics connection. But um, it really reminded me of um, like reading the book Fight Club and how the book Fight Club ends compared to the movie and how you just want to know what happens next and what Project Mayhem does next and how that concludes, you know, and uh, I think it's a similar situation with this Joker movie like, OK, this that was a crazy, um, you know, that was a crazy X X. Uh, I'm losing my uh, words, but it, that was a crazy series of events. And what you know, what comes from this from here, you know, uh, could yeah. be interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Black Superman for a second. Um, so apparently the next Superman film will be the first with a black actor as Kal-El with Warner Brothers also committed to hiring a black director. OK, so we talked a while back about how in Earth 2 universe there is a black Superman. Um, Cal something. It's a different it's not Kal-El. It's a different it's a different Cal. It's basically like an alternate reality version of Superman and he's black. They have established the fact that Robert Pattinson is Earth 2 Batman. So to do a Earth 2 Superman and make him black sounds makes sense. They've established that they're doing a multiverse, all that stuff. Um, the Internet is kind of going apeshit right now, going, why are you making him Kal-El because of all the Henry Cavill stuff? Like, he's Kal-El. He's Superman. If you're going to do this, do this, the black Superman from Earth 2, because you're telling us established. You know, you see, you see where I'm going with this? Like, yeah, you can have two Supermans because of what you're doing. Um, I think it's great that they're doing this. Um, I'm just kind of scratching my head a little bit with the, if I don't want with all the stuff we've heard about how Warner brothers doesn't like the Snyder cut and they want to go in this new direction and stuff. But at the same time you have, um, eight Warner media going, no, no, no. We like Snyder cut and that like kind of internal battle going on right now to have Warner brothers go, Hey, we're committed to doing this sounds like they're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks as opposed to having any plan or structure, uh, which that kind of bothers me. However, seeing this is kind of cool. I just think that because they're establishing a multiverse, they should focus on making sure that works and it translates to an audience. You know, Marvel created a series of movies that unless you, if you're not paying attention, they might be construed as like, you know, Iron Man 2 is a sequel to Iron Man, but Captain America is a sequel to Iron Man 2. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you <laughs> those like there's no correlation between those unless you keep watching. Um, and that's what I think DC needs to figure out. Like if you're going to create a multiverse, you have to tell us it's a multiverse and stick to that um, instead of just changing your characters and re um, recasting and changing your mind and like deciding you're going to go one way over another way. That's the part that's bothering me. Um, but otherwise I'm down for this. So let's see what it looks like. Um, yeah, I'm, I kind of agree with you or I'm, I'm down with this and I'm excited for more Superman stuff, but 
I do think, especially with how successful the Snyder Cut has been, I think people are going to start getting confused with the multiple versions of different characters and stuff because, and I don't know if the, since DC is kind of doing a lot of like, at least right now, seemingly unconnected movies, is it going to, is there going to be like the concept of a multiverse explained at all? Like maybe the flash movie will do it, but I'm just kind of, I'm a little bit worried that the audience is just going to be lost on uh, some of these decisions. And it's not it's not it's not you and me audience. It's the yes. average moviegoer who doesn't read comic books audience. Um, that's the part that you're going to lose people. And I don't think Ann Sarnoff seems to understand that. Absolutely. And, the, and and that's the thing, is I feel like what we've heard with the Doctor Strange, you know, the next Doctor Doctor Strange and Spider-Man movies, I feel like the MCU is going to have a more concise explan- explanation of what a multiverse is. And like I said, with the success of the Snyder cut and uh, kind of DC overall succeeding for the most part lately, I kind of just don't want them to screw this up by making things really confusing. Uh, you were going to say though, however something, and I totally oh, cut you off. So. I was just going to say, however, a lot of people, uh, when they originally started talking about the black Superman idea, they were pointing towards Michael B. Jordan to play black Superman. Now, um, I think Michael B. Jordan is a fantastic actor and everything I've seen him in, I've liked. However, I also think there's other black actors out there and he doesn't have to be the one you point at every time you think of a black role. Um, but Michael B. Jordan specifically, he's, he's downplayed the Superman rumors stating, uh, I'm flattered that people have me in that conversation. It's definitely a compliment, but I'm just watching on this one. Interesting. So sounds like he hasn't gotten the phone call either. But like, you know, and not that and I'm going to throw an actor out there. Uh, John David Washington, uh, who is in the movie Tenant. He's uh, the he's Denzel's. Uh, he's the son of Denzel Washington. He's a phenomenal actor. I wouldn't cast him as Superman necessarily, but he's an amazing actor. My point is the fact that every time a, a, a crazy black, uh, like a really amazing black role comes up, someone drops Michael B. Jordan's name. My point is, is that he's a great actor, but there's other ones out there, too. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I I agree. And I feel like, uh, just the other week we were talking about Russell Crowe, um, is going to be Zeus and, uh, Thor love and thunder now, you know, and he was Jor-El and, uh, the DC universe. And it's getting to the point where these movie superhero universes are using the same actors. And, you know, we've already seen Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. So I do agree with like, maybe let's get some new blood in there and, uh, you know, get some new actors. Right. Well, um, let's see real quick here. Um, Warner Brothers is reportedly planning a Mortal Kombat versus DC crossover movie. Um, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all. And the reason it doesn't surprise <laughs> me is because it's um, there's a Mortal Kombat versus DC game. There's a video game. As mm-hmm. So if they were to do that, why not? Sounds like a plan to me. Let's do it uh, just for the sake of having fun with it. If you're going to throw stuff to the wall and see what sticks, why not? Um there is a uh, one of the problems with the Snyder cut right now is that people are forgetting the term director's cut. Um, 
And because of the internet movement and all that stuff, it's a director's cut is still a director's cut. It's a director's intention. It's stuff they left on the cutting room floor that they had to cut out for various reasons before it released a theater and so on and so on. Some director's cuts, like the Snyder's cut, are vastly different and completely changed the movie. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past is a really good example of that. Uh, some director's cuts is literally like, um, does it change the movie or does it? Is it just a version of the film that you're just like, oh, OK, we got to see that extra scene. It doesn't matter if it's there or not. It's just the director wanted to put it back in and they released it. The reason I bring this up is because Joel Schumacher, who directed Batman Forever, apparently has a cut of Batman Forever that is very different from the movie that we got. Uh, it's a very dark version of the film. And there's an Internet movement going on saying release the Schumacher cut, um, which <laughs> blows my mind a little bit um, <laughs> i thought the i thought the movement was going to be release the snyder cut of batman forever <laughs> no it's like release the schumacher cut um um Akvia goldsman if i'm pronouncing that name correctly director Akvia goldsman uh took part in a virtual q a at the austin film festival uh, the textbook example of definition of a Hollywood figure, Goldsman credits include films like Beautiful Mind and iRobot and Da Vinci Code. Um, he specifically um, uh, he watched the original version of Batman Forever, formerly called Preview Cut One by those who worked on it, um, that existed prior to the credits uh, edits and revisions meant to lighten up the movie. He said Batman Forever sort of still has a residence coming. I really am interested to see whether the original cut of Batman Forever comes out because I got to see it recently, recently, the very first one, which was referred to preview cut one. And it's a really dark, it's very psychological ex exploration of guilt and shame. I find that there's a lot of psychological underpinnings and the things that I find myself wanting to live in and around. Um, so if there's a dark cut of Batman Forever out there, um, I want to see it. no, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Batman Forever, as goofy and as cartoony as it is at some points, I always thought there was just a really cool undertone to the whole thing that I couldn't really put my finger on ever. But it sounds like there actually is a darker story that was actually originally intended for this film. And, uh, you know, maybe Warner Brothers decided they wanted the film to be more family friendly or something and they went in a different direction. Um, so I really want to see this as well. Um, have you ever seen that deleted scene from Batman Forever where Bruce Wayne confronts like a giant bat? Uh, no. OK, so <laughs> you remember the part in Batman v Superman when uh uh, ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne visits uh, his parents' grave and yeah. he has a nightmare with the giant bat coming out of the coffin. Yeah. There's a really similar deleted scene from Batman Forever. And the only reason I know about this is because when Batman v Superman first came out, I was just following everything about this movie online. And uh, this Batman Forever deleted scene got a little bit of uh, hype because they're like, oh, that weird you know, giant bat monster scene from BVS. There's actually a similar scene that was deleted from Batman forever. And there's this really weird scene where Bruce is talking to Alfred about something in the bat cave. And he ends up going into this weird secluded corner of the bat cave. And he has a vision of this giant. It really looks like a live action man bat. Like it's awesome. Like this giant bat creature is kind of uh, confronting uh, Bruce. And then, 
uh, I don't know what song it is, but I'm sure it was some 90s alternative song starts playing in the background. And it's like this weird montage starts of Bruce like standing and uh, kind of just his presence confronts this man bat esque creature and it's very weird and it's very surreal but i remember seeing it and i was just like this is bizarre and like hearing about the schumacher cut i wonder how like that sequence fits into the schumacher cut like it it does sound like there's probably some weird psychological cerebral stuff going on so i'm on board i'm with you like i really want to see this thing yeah if if there is a cut out there i want to see it but i'm also in the vein of like at this point just give us all the director's cuts you don't have to do a big thing like the snyder's cut but just give it all of us to us just see if the director has anything or let your directors tell the story they want and stop the studio oversight (laughs) you know like i mean yeah you're gonna get some notes from studio heads but let the directors tell the stories they want um all right, I got two science stories for you, and then we can talk our list. Uh, we're running a little bit long, but I wanted to talk about <laughs> because they were interesting. Um, scientists discover world's first pregnant ancient Egyptian mummy. Oh, um, weird. Ancient Egyptian woman and uh, elite citizen in the city of Thebes died somewhere between the age of 20 and 30. And now there's evidence that she did when she died. She had inside her an approximately a 30 week old fetus. Um, so first pregnant Egyptian mummy discovered. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. And then the scary story for the night is scientists translated radio signals from Venus. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, NASA pro- a NASA probe headed for the sun flew by Venus and picked up a natural radio signal. Um, the translated noise is both creepy and beautiful, apparently. Um, I read through the article um, you can read through the article. There's not much there. However, my point is the fact that there are radio signals coming from Venus. So what exactly is a natural radio sing- signal? Um, it there, it sounds like it's got, it, it's basically like this thing where you're, it might not be a legit like radio signal the way we think of radio signals so much as it's atmospheric disruption and stuff like that, creating an electrical current that's being translated into a radio signal. However, no one's landed on Venus to check it out. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. How can they be sure it's natural? Um, yeah. Right. My, my mind first goes to like, I don't know, Mars and Venus. I feel like People have always wondered, like, you know, was there ever life on Mars? You know, was there ever life on Venus? Um, And like the idea of like, what if it's some ancient uh, distress signal that was, you know, put out by like the last remaining citizens of Venus? Like, that's where my mind goes. But uh, that's just kind of my weird sci fi story. You know, mind goes right away. (laughs) But uh, no, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to look into that one more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it for the news, man. And we're running really long. So you want to talk about our, uh, we're running longer, way longer. So you want to talk about our list? (laughs) Yeah, sure thing. And sorry about the length. I'll uh, cut out all, uh, Grinch tangents, uh, during our list. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Ryan, do me a favor and roll. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter, um, yeah. we are, this was your list idea, so you want to explain to the our listening audience, if they were not here last week, uh, what we're doing tonight? Yeah, so this is, <laughs> this is a list I've been sitting on for a while, but uh, 
last week you made me do a list about uh, Muppets making R-rated movies, <laughs> and I thought this list would be the perfect response to that. Um, and I, I really came up with this list because I was thinking of the Michael Bay Transformers movie and, uh, you know, kind of like the newer Dora the Explorer movie and some people's complaints with that movie and stuff. And I just think the idea of taking a kid's like cartoon property or just a kid's you know, TV show property in general and turning it into like a dark and gritty adult movie is just a really funny concept. So I thought we could talk about our top five, uh, our top five kids properties that we could reboot as a gritted, a gritty adult sort of action movie. Um, so that's pretty much it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this list or whatever, uh, before we jump in. Um, I tackled this list kind of interestingly. I was thinking, see, the problem is, is that we have this thing called, um, uh, we, we, we've talked in the past about how there's an adult version of, uh, we have Elizabeth Banks is doing an adult version of the Flintstones and we have, uh, the Riverdale-esque version of Scooby-Doo coming with Thelma. So I was like, the, the first ones off the top of my head, I was like, crap, I got to not focus on those. I got to. <laughs> that's the challenge is because mo a lot of the ones you think of are already being made. right so like jetsons for example was one i thought of right away but i was like well i can't jetsons because it's too close to you know the flintstones and we're already getting a flintstone so i kind of i realized the majority of mine are disney but that's fine oh uh, cool yeah, the majority of mine are Disney. So, um, but I don't have any honorable mentions because I found this kind of a difficult list to put together, and I was like, "Nope, I got my five, and I'm good for the night." So, so I have two honorable mentions, and they're both cheats, and that's why they are honorable honorable uh, mentions. So, you just uh, mentioned the Velma show, and uh, one of my honorable mentions is Scooby Doo, and uh, that's just because yes, we are getting this new show that is probably going to be a gritty teenage reboot of Scooby-Doo, but I'm just, I'll have to see more, you know, I'm worried it's not going to be what I want it to be. <laughs> so that's why I put that one on my list, you know, and depending on how good the show is, maybe I'll take it off of my list. But for now, I'm going to have Scooby-Doo as an honorable mention. Uh, the other one I picked was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And this one is a cheat because we had a Michael Bay produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that came out recently that was not super adult, but it was PG-13, I believe. And it was, uh, you know, a little bit grittier. You know, the Ninja Turtles were bigger, stronger. Uh, it was a little bit more brutal than you would expect. Um, and also, if you go back to the original, the the first Ninja Turtles movie, that that movie is actually kind of gritty as far as just tone and uh aesthetics goes but the reason i put this one on my list is because what we all really want out of a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie is we want that sort of dark knight-esque like super serious super realistic really violent and brutal version of the ninja turtles and we know that's never gonna happen but that would be the greatest uh, that would be the greatest movie ever. I've seen some, uh, there's some fan films on like YouTube and stuff where you can find, I think somebody did a Raphael short film that has that sort of gritty, realistic tone. And I just loved it so much. But as far as a ma major motion picture making this movie, I don't think it's going to ever happen. The other reason that this is a cheat though, is because the original Ninja Turtles comics weren't necessarily 
targeted as at kids, you know, they were violent. They weren't like super violent, but they had blood in it. They had violence, um, you know, is black and white. It had a darker tone to the whole story. And uh, I think people think of Ninja Turtles and they automatically think, you know, it's a kid's franchise. But no, it didn't really start off that way. It, it started as a weird um you know, dark, gritty indie comic book. So uh, that's why that one's an honorable mention as well. Well, that rolls into my first pick, which my first pick is Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this is kind of perfect for me just to piggyback on. And I agree with you that we want it to be dark and gritty. The one, the one reason why I fell off the Ninja Turtle bandwagon, um, because I loved the Ninja Turtles when they first came out, it was fantastic that, that just following it. Yeah. I know the history with the, I know the history with the comics and how gritty that was, but the Ninja Turtles as characters, it was always teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. That was the end of the line. Because teenage is in the title, they never grew up, if you will. Like I don't, I don't need grumpy adult forty-year-old Raphael running around, you know, being crotchety. What I do need is the maturity level to increase, and it never did. Um, and that's where I fell off the wagon was because I didn't, they didn't grow with me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But no, I, I would agree that's, with that. But in terms of seeing wanting to see an R-rated version of the Ninja Turtles, absolutely. Um, seeing a, a dark, gritty version of it would be exactly what I'm looking for. So but that's why it's the first pick of mine. So and I was literally and yes, there's the movie, but there's also the uh, I, you know, thinking about the kids cartoon and stuff. It just never grew with me the way some other things have grown with me. So. Yeah. No, no. And I, and I absolutely agree. I think there's a couple iterations that um, I think age w pretty well with like an, a mature adult. Like I think the 2003 uh, animated series of the Ninja Turtles is actually really good and actually really close to the comics if you watch it. So I definitely recommended that to anybody who's interested. But uh, Drew, yeah, I, I think there's a couple um, fan films that I've seen that might scratch your um your itch for that sort of more mature Ninja Turtles. Like, like I mentioned that there's a short uh, Raphael fan film that I've seen that was really good. That kind of had that sort of realistic dark Knight esque uh, you know, atmosphere to it. And there's also somebody that it's like about a half an hour long and it's this short film about Casey Jones. And uh, that one was really awesome too. And that was almost more like a, um, almost like kind of like a pump up, uh, almost like a sports film. Like it almost had like a Rocky sort of feel to it. So that was really cool as well. But um, I guess I can jump into my next pick. Yeah. Okay. So the first one I went with is a property that we actually talked about a few weeks ago, and that is mighty max. Um, and this is a kid's property, but you know, this is a, this was a cartoon that was made and I'm pretty sure the cartoon was made to sell toys and the toys were essential these tiny um, little play sets that you would buy and it would look like this plastic molded head of like some kind of monster and then you'd open the play set up and it would be it would be a whole play set and you'd have miniature figures and uh, when you open you know this this plastic head up it looks like you're inside of like a castle or a dungeon and you have Mighty Max who's like the kid who's the main character of the show and he would fight all these monsters and stuff and I think because I don't know if, if it's like completely accurate, but I always thought of Mighty Max as kind of like a, 
a bit of a horror centric show. And I think it's because so many of the foes that he came across were very monstrous. I just feel like that could translate so well um, into sort of a more adult version of the show, you know, where Mighty Max is this character who has a magic hat that, you know, allows him to transport to different dimensions through portals. And he has to fight all these monsters and evildoers and stuff. But he also had two uh, companions. Uh, one was this guy named Norman, who is kind of this standard, like, badass action protagonist, kind of this barbarian-esque looking guy who had this huge sword and huge muscles. And also this wise, almost like wizard-esque bird man sort of character <laughs> this little character named virgil who are with him and both of those characters i think could translate really well to like an adult you know sci-fi horror action sort of movie and then uh you know mighty max's big villain was uh i actually looked this up because i couldn't remember it the other week but his main villain was named skull master <laughs> which is mm -hmm. the most most That's generic what what's that so that's what it was i was wondering i was like trying i was just drawing a blank too so i'm glad you looked that up yeah, and, and it's funny because it's the most generic but most awesome uh, Saturday morning cartoon sort of villain name like I could think of. You know, it's it's even more generic than Skeletor, which is kind of hard. But uh, no, I just think this one would be a really cool. Uh, it could make a really cool like PG-13 or R-rated movie. So I don't know. I feel like that's a really scattered review of Mighty Max, but I just think this one would be really fun. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. Um, uh, no, that's all. a perfect one. And in terms of the cartoons, I actually <laughs> forgot that that was a cartoon so much as a toy line. Um, so, yeah, good call. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next one for the night, and this is a goofy one, is Doc McStuffins. Um, do you know Doc McStuffins, Peter? <laughs> I I might after you refresh my memory, but at this point, no. <laughs> this is Doc McStuffins is a Disney cartoon on Disney Junior, um, and it specifically is about a girl who is a veterinarian or a doctor for her stuffed animals. Um, and her little oh, clubhouse nice. and her clubhouse she has in her backyard is her uh, doctor's office and all her toys and stuffed animals and stuff uh, can talk and walk around. And they're just like, oh, he got injured. And they bring him into the doctor's office and she fixes him up. And it's basically uh, ER for Disney Junior. Um, I <laughs> I was literally thinking how creepy it would be if this was like the adult twisted version where she's making these killer toys. Um and it's like her little workshop out there and she's building toys that actually go around and like kill and mutilate people um, and get really dark. Um, <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's on a awesome. level. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's that's great. It has this sort of like puppet master meets like small soldiers weird aspect to it. But that's like super fun. And uh, no, I love that one. I really didn't know about this show. <laughs> But this is exactly what I was hoping for with this list is just weird, creative angles on, you know, weird kids properties. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it is. So I was like, how, how crazy would it be if she's like out in her backyard creating these toys, like literally like can wind up and go kill people. So anyway, yeah, Doc McStuffins. And I can see the title, too. And you leave the title as is and it's <laughs> Doc McStuffins. So in a word. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So hearing about that show, though, I do feel like it's on one hand, it's kind of clever. But on the other hand, I feel like it's a um, 
it's almost like a show that teaches kids to go like chop up their stuffed animals and stuff. (laughs) Maybe, maybe she's not doing like open heart surgery on them though. Maybe she's just kind of taking their temperature and prescribing medicine and stuff. So sure. All right. Um, next one. Yeah. So my next one, um, a lot of mine kind of fit more of a uh, horror vibe, but the next one I went with is the classic Nickelodeon cartoon. Ah, real monsters. Um, I don't, did you watch the show much back in there? I don't know if I know this show. So, Oh really? Oh, you and I have, you and I have a little bit, we are, we are six years apart in age, which is not a lot, but in terms of like growing up, there were times that, you know, I was off doing other stuff when you were doing younger stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just enough of a disconnect that I don't know if I know this show. No, no, absolutely. I'm just surprised, but no, I, it makes, it makes absolutely sense. Like we do have an age gap, so I'm not like, uh, I don't think it's like blasphemy that you hadn't seen the show. I was just surprised, but, uh, no, this was, so you remember Rugrats, um, and Rugrats was, uh, animated by the studio it's like Klasky supo or something like that which was an old animation studio or director or something that did uh a lot of the old nickelodeon animated shows so they had uh rugrats they also did rocket power the wild thornberries like a bunch of them but my favorite one was always ah real monsters and if you know that classic Rugrats sort of style. This this was a show all about monsters. Um, it was almost like a Monsters Inc. sort of thing, where it was about like monsters trying to scare people and stuff. But it had sort of a it had sort of a like kids appeal, where it was about monster kids who were in school to learn how to go scare people. Um, earlier, I was going to mention that it had that sort of like gritty kind of like. <laughs> hairy looking Rugrats style to everything that's really fun. But all the monsters lived in a junkyard and uh, it was just all about these uh, little monsters adventures going out and uh, trying to scare people and their failures or successes in doing that. Um, It starred three, three characters, um, Ickis, Crumb and Ublina and Ickis kind of looked like a friendly gremlin. Ublina was kind of this weird, um, skinny striped just kind of weird looking monster she was kind of shaped like a cane actually which is very bizarre and then uh crumb was always like my favorite character just because he looked so gross and weird but he was like this sort of like fat looking little creature who was uh you know kind of like not hairy but he had a bunch of arm armpit hair and he had a big mouth like across his belly and he had two arms that he held up that held two little eyes in them. And there's just like a lot of really fun concepts like that. But the reason I want this to be remade as an adult, uh, you know, gritty movie is I think this movie would translate so well in that sort of gremlins esque critters esque sort of like little latex monsters reaping, reaping havoc. Like this movie would be great for that sort of thing. And, uh, I think of, uh, the gremlins movies and so many of the best moments, from gremlins are the parts that take uh the parts that take place from uh gizmo's perspective like i kind of really like that sort of uh when you get to see through or you know you you see gizmo and kind of you're able to relate to him and you're able to you know see the puppetry of this 
you know, this goofy little monster character, but you're able to relate to him and it becomes some of the most memorable moments of the movie. And I feel like if they made an a real monster movie from that perspective, it would just be awesome. And I feel like this is a thing where anybody who's familiar with the show is probably on board with what I'm saying. Drew, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about at all <laughs> since you said you hadn't seen the show. So, I don't know the show, um, but I understand your points about the gremlins. Absolutely. So just yeah. That, or just that correlation. I completely understand where you're going. So, yeah. And, and the monsters in the show, they were small monsters that it would just be so cool to see the sort of gross latex practical effects versions of these characters. And that's just, you know, if they made the movie now, it would probably be all CGI. But I want this to be an 80s horror film like through and through, you know, that would be amazing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Um, so my next pick, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to see a dark rated R adult cut of Darkwing Duck. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, just in that in that dark night Joker, like, you know, think about the movie Joker, like that dark night Joker kind of a sense, like uh, a gritty version of Darkwing Duck would be amazing. Uh, language, you know, violence, all of it. It'd be fantastic. And you could even do it CGI, but make it look that like uncomfortable CGI the way like Howard the Duck is at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> um <laughs> Where you're like questioning if that's a real thing or not. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, so I, th I think what you do with this one is you take the uh, where the wild things are approach where you have people actually in the animal suits. But then you do CGI oh, right. for the faces. That could be the real like good balance between animation and the gritty atmosphere. But uh, no, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, yeah, no, I got you. No, that was it. I just, that's, that was my idea. Cause I was thinking, I'm like, well, cause my original thought was ducktails, but then I was like, no, it'd have to be Darkwing duck. Um, so yeah, no, Darkwing duck is awesome. And uh, that would just be, <laughs> if they did like a, gritty live action version of that or even a gritty animated version that would be one of the craziest superhero movies ever um so i'm definitely on board with you there i don't know i don't have much to add to it i just think it's a really cool idea and it makes me think like if they did <laughs> if they did like the dark knight version of darkwing duck or even like the joker like as in the movie the joker like that version of dark darkwing duck what would that even be you know it's yeah. it's a very bizarre but very cool thing to think about yeah yeah and that's that's what was going on in my mind when i grabbed it so all right man what's your next pick for the night right so uh my next pick might make you laugh but i went with captain planet <laughs> <laughs> so captain planet has always been weird because as a kid i did like the show a lot but there was also just this inherent corniness to every aspect of the show, even when it comes to the kids who had the rings and there was the kid with the heart ring that you knew heart didn't do any anything. And whenever you were you and your friends were on the playground playing Captain Planet, nobody wanted to be the heart kid. You know, you would just make up like, oh, no, I have a lightning ring. You know, you would make up something else so you didn't get stuck with that crappy ring. But and then, you know, Captain Planet would show up. And he's a goofy looking character like, you know, he's got like blue skin and green hair and he just looks he looks bizarre. But I don't know. A couple of years ago, I was thinking, what if they rebooted Captain Planet and they did sort of a more realistic, gritty version? And this is kind of my pitch for uh, Captain Planet movie. But 
I imagine what if what if the movie takes place in the in the future and it's very dystopian and, uh, you know, pollution and climate change and everything has got, gotten out of control. And we're in, living in these dark, like dismal, um, polluted planet times. And uh, this group of teenagers finds out about this ancient um, deity called Captain Planet. And he's like this ancient sort of god. But what you need to do is you need to get these four rings or five rings, I guess, to represent all the elements. I think that's what it is. The fifth element is love. So that's why there is a heart ring there. (laughs) I just realized that. But the kids have to travel the world and assemble the rings. And the whole time they're also battling against these uh, pollution crazed madmen who are just destroying the environment and you know, just in the nick of time, they're able to assemble all these rings and they're able to resurrect this ancient deity named Captain Planet. And Captain Planet just comes and he's like a brutal, violent god. And he just rains terror on all these billionaires and all these people who aren't treating the planet with respect. And just this concept, I don't know why I thought of this. I think I was at work one day and my <laughs> I was daydreaming, but I just thought that'd be a cool way to do Captain Planet. And when you take the sort of like, you can still use maybe the same colors and stuff, but maybe take a more sort of uh, when you watch like a movie like Shazam and you think about how Shazam's costume is like something that goes back ages and ages. You can maybe give Captain Planet that sort of treatment where he does seem like this ancient, mighty like warrior that they're resurrecting. I just think that concept, it would just be really cool. So if anybody owns the rights to Captain Planet and they're listening to our show, make yeah. that movie. Like, that's <laughs> something I would want to see. Um, there's, yeah, and I'll I'll agree with you on it to a point. Um, there's parts of Captain Planet that definitely need to be adapted <laughs> to uh, the adult uh, audience. But, you know, I actually really enjoyed Captain Planet when it was on. So I hear you. Um, yeah, there's there's cool like superhero aspects and you would like it. But then there is also the aspects that you're just like, I can't take this seriously. So I do think they could do a reboot of this of that series in like a really cool, smart, gritty sort of way. But uh, yeah, Captain Planet. <laughs> right. um, He's our hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So my next one is uh, Octonauts. Do you know what Octonauts are? I think so. All right. This is another uh, Disney Junior television series. Um, and this is about uh, basically animals who live on an underwater base and um, help out the sea creatures. Um, like so they're like they are like scientists underwater. They, the only thing that goes against what I'm saying is, is that there's an there's a adult swim show called Sea Lab. <laughs> right. Um, which that's awesome. But like and I remember watching I remember like when my kid when my son was young enough that I had to have Disney Junior on Octonauts would come on and I enjoyed it just because it made me think of Sea Lab all the time. <laughs> nice. But, um, and the idea that I was thinking about when I was, you know, when I put this on my list, it was literally like, well, yeah, I like Sea Lab. But if it was the fact because but this show is animals as opposed to people. So I just think seeing the animals use bad language and, you know, some of the things that come out of their mouths, it just made me laugh. I'm like, that that's just awesome. But then it also makes me think whether you're talking about Octonauts or Sea Lab, there should be an adult show like this anyway, live action, um, dark, gritty, you know, why not? You know, so, yeah. Yeah, that's I cool. I don't have a lot I to think- say on it. It was just, those were my thoughts. So, 
I think I know the Octonauts. Like the name is really familiar. I think if I saw them, I would know who it is right away. Um, right. And yeah, the the idea for a dark gritty version of this sounds pretty cool. I just, I it's not ringing a bell completely for me, so I just don't have too much comments. But uh, yeah. no, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, what's your second to last pick of the night? Yeah, so my next one is uh, one of my favorite sort of franchises that I grew up with, and that is uh, Goosebumps, uh, the Goosebumps books. Now, this one you could say is kind of a cheat because they've recently made two Goosebumps movies that uh, they were fun and stuff. But I just growing up reading these books, I always thought it would be I mean, looking back on it, it would have been cool if I could have taken those characters with me kind of the same way you were describing Ninja Turtles like. I love some of those stories and some of those characters from Goosebumps, but obviously they're targeted at a very young audience and they didn't age with me. And even like this past Halloween, we did our top five favorite horror villains. And I was even thinking of some of the Goosebumps villains. Like I was thinking of uh, Slappy, for example, the uh, ventriloquist dummy. And I'm like, that's he's a really cool character, but I just don't know if I can actually pick him as you know, one of my favorite horror villains. And I kind of wish I could. And if they did some like adult <laughs> rated R anthology horror movie with the Goosebumps characters, like that would be badass. And I do think there's some cool concepts uh, just in Goosebumps books in general, like some of the darker ones. Like I did mention Night of the Living Dummy, but I also think like the whole concept be behind the uh the Haunted Mask books, I think, is a really I think those concepts are really cool and done the right way. It could be really frightening and stuff. And uh, so, no, it's there's not too much to go off of this one. It's just this is a kid's horror series that I like a lot. A lot of it's really goofy, but some of the concepts and characters are just so good. I kind of wish they made that sort of, you know, I want to see that adult child play esque night of the living dummy movie and i want to see that adult like really creepy somewhat psychological uh you know haunted mask movie and uh you know stuff like that so yeah um no that's and you know what's funny is i haven't i think i've read like maybe confession time i think i've read maybe one goosebumps book um, <laughs> right. Well, that's the other yeah. thing is like the age range was so like Goosebumps got really popular when I was like super young in grade school. So I didn't necessarily I didn't even know you read any. So I I didn't like necessarily expect you to. But um, it's just it's the same thing with your Ninja Turtles thing. It's like something I loved growing up that didn't necessarily age with me. And I kind of wish it did, you know. Right. No, I hear you. And it, and I understand, like, yeah, we had the movie come out and it's, you know, what it is. But seeing an adult, an adult, adult version would be awesome. All right. So my last pick of the night is that when you pose this list, it's the very first thing I wrote down. I'm a, it's the very first thing that came to mind last last week when you brought it up. And it was the very first one I wrote down. And that is Phineas and Ferb. Um, <laughs> and uh if, if you know that show, it's essentially two kids who do something in their backyard, whether it's a science experiment or build something. And they have the sister that is essentially like uh, trying to, uh, uh, to trying to get them in trouble because they're not doing something that they're, they're doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing. And she tries to uh, bust them with their mom all the time. But seeing an adult version of this, a, gr uh, a dark, gritty version and like the weirds and but. 
I just think that if you took that into the adult world, you could get weirder and weirder with some of the science experiments, things that they do on the show. Um, yes, they go a little bit to the extreme in terms of building roller coasters and stuff like that. But even if you did that, how crazy weird could it get in terms of like how it resets and things disappear and all that stuff and how it gets handled. And um, it's, the show is fantastic in general. Um, but that's, my thinking in that aspect. Um, so I don't know what if you had anything to add to that. I don't know if you've ever watched Phineas and Ferb, but yeah. no, I think I think you have a cool angle on it with both the sort of uh, bringing in adult humor, but then also bringing in more advanced uh, science uh, experience experiments and stuff like that's actually really cool angles to take um i've seen one or two episodes of phineas and ferb i actually thought they were hilarious um and when that show was airing i actually had two friends one of which is you drew and another one is another friend who had kids who were of the right age to watch this show so you know i know i remember you mentioning phineas phineas and ferb and my other friend did as well and uh both of you said it was just hilarious <laughs> and i was like yeah i've only seen like one or two episodes but from what i could tell it was pretty funny um so i definitely i like this show but i haven't seen enough of it but uh no it's a really cool pick and i actually like the angles that you took with it so um, um, i will say this if you, you first off you should watch it uh you should just throw it on your your kid will pay attention to it because it's a cartoon um he's at that age where like it's a cartoon so he wants that on tv um, but you should watch it. The show's fantastic. Uh, there is um, what I thought was really clever is the opening theme song. Uh, the very first line of the opening theme song is when they say there's 104 days of summer vacation. Um, every episode of the show is one day. Um, there's 104 day, 104 episodes for the entire show. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, I thought it was cool. So I had it all planned out from the beginning. That's I kind had of it crazy. all planned out from the beginning. <laughs> um, the whole show is the whole show season to season is one summer. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was my last pick of the night. What is yours? Well, I just I just want to reiterate again, like the science angle of that is kind of blowing my mind. <laughs> I feel bad that all of mine are like, I want to see my favorite cartoons as a kid kill people. <laughs> 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 I want to see this character kill someone. And then you're like, well, actually, they could do much more advanced science experience. And that's just kind of like something I'm laughing about in my head. But um, no, like, moving on. Oh, we're gonna say and I'm taking the science angle and trying to be constructive with all my picks. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my last one um, is this isn't the first one I thought of, but it it came up on my list eventually. And it's just too good that I just think I think if they did a adult more gritty version of this this show it would be so awesome and that is uh disney's animated series gargoyles um oh. i think gargoyles um i mean i drew i know you've you've mentioned like you feel like gargoyles uh aped batman the animated series a little bit but i just still think that gargoyles yeah, has well i yes to a point but gargoyles also like came out in the wake of them looking at Batman, the animated series changed animation. And it was the, it was one of the first shows to come out to kind of adopt that style, if you will. So. Yeah. I think, I think it's like they saw what Warner brothers did with uh, Batman, the animated series. And they're like, we can make a cartoon like that. And then they made something that had a similar tone 
but really wasn't uh, exactly the same. And I just think Gargoyles has, when you actually go into the lore of it, like it's just so metal. Like it, it's these characters who survived from this medieval world where there was just gargoyles flying around and fighting humans. And there's just so many cool concepts in it. And just even today, like if you watch the series, like the artwork in it and the character designs and stuff, they're just so cool. And um, it's like kind of a really, it's a really simple concept. You know, you have a group of gargoyles who, at daytime, they're just stone gargoyles on top of a building, but at night they come alive and they can fight crime. And uh, I just think this one, if done right, and if they did a live action version and they really, you know, paid attention to the character designs and updating all that, I just think it could be just really badass. And that's honestly, I know I say badass a lot, but I feel like that's the best word I could say for it because it's just, it's just a lot of it could just be really cool from sort of a darker superhero esque sort of uh, story. So gargoyles right. is probably my number one pick just cause I think it would be so cool. But, uh, and I don't know if you have any further comments on it, but I just think this would be a really fun one to see. No gargoyles. Well, gargoyles, I mean, it's just a really cool show in general, like you said, and I agree with all those points. Um, but because of how it like translated from where Batman came, like, the the Batman influence in terms of the animation, um, seeing that as an adult version, um, even if you compare it to like um, what HBO did with their animated Spawn series back in the uh, late 90s, um, that even if you took Gargoyles to that level, um, it would just be amazing, even if you kept it animated or if you're looking to keep or if you're looking to do it live action, it'd be awesome to do go live action. I don't see why they haven't tapped that yet for a film. Um, and done a live action movie version of that yet. Um, cause I mean, that's honestly could be a franchise and I feel like Disney hasn't, uh, uh, tapped that yet. Hey, Disney, just real quick, scoot closer to the, scoot closer to the mic yet. Uh, cause that's, that's a new IP that no one's tapped yet. So check out gargoyles. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the thing is I do feel like this one out of the picks on my list, this is the most likely one to eventually get the sort of, adult action superhero either movie or tv treatment yeah, but uh, yeah uh, what were you saying and i believe gargoyles is on disney plus yeah it it is i started watching it when i first got disney plus and i kind of fell off but uh talking about this just makes me want to go start watching gargoyles again because it is a really fun really cool show yeah all right well um that brings us to the end of the list that brings us to the end of the night uh do you want to know what we're doing next week yeah, what do you got? All right, well, next, well, it's Oscar time. Uh, the Oscars have happened. If you watched them like I did, it was the weirdest Oscars I've ever seen in my entire life. I can talk a little bit more about that next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's time for us to discuss our favorite movies of the year 2020 because the Oscars have happened. Um, it is going to be weird to have this conversation because so many movies did not come out in the year 2020. So it'll be interesting to see what you and I ended up coming up with for our favorite films of 2020. Um, I, I think it's, it's going to be hard as well because I, I mean this last year, I mean, it's kind of where the world is at, but I became so much of a hermit that I just, I know I missed so many movies that did come out and I didn't go to the movie theater 
you know, one since like last March sort of thing. So the last last movie I saw in a movie theater, because I keep all of my movie tickets, the last (laughs) movie I saw was the Joker. Okay. My, my last one is uh knives out. And so it sounds like we went out with a bang with, as far as seeing really good movies. uh, Stuff like leaving the theater. Well, the movie I'm next movie I see in the theater, I guarantee will be black widow. Um, because in terms of what's coming out, that's the next movie that I'm like, I have to see on a big screen. So nice. Um, that's awesome. But yeah. So we're going to be talking 2020. Um, and we'll see if what five movies we're going to be able to pull out of our pockets for that one. Um, I'll be, and I know there's going to be a lot of Netflix stuff and that kind of thing, but that's what we're looking at. And I know I watched a lot of movies in 2020. I just don't know how many of them actually released that year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's see. Um, so, well, that's what we're going to talk about next week, because in terms of the way we do our shows, that's what's next on the docket. We have to knock out our favorites of last year. So, Absolutely. And I know 2020 and 2021 in terms of movies blend together, but uh, there is a fine line. It's January 1 to January 1, so or January 1 to December 31st. That's the window. Um, I'm not treating it like the Academy where they extended the window because they extended the uh, shuffle time. I'm kind of looking at a year, a year to year. So, um, if you're okay with that anyway. No, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm just, uh, this, this list is a little daunting cause it's going to be really hard, but I actually am kind of excited to go look into what new movies that I actually watched this year. Like this will be kind of fun to look back on, uh, you know, this what, COVID what, what year actual, that we just went through. I watched during that year, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, all right. Well, everyone, that's what we're going to do next week. Uh, do us a favor, however, while you're waiting, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our, hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on uh, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be pitching my bright, family-friendly version of Hellraiser. <laughs> let's let's completely flip the script and do horror movies that should be kids' cartoons. <laughs> oh, that would be an interesting one as well. Uh, that would be. Uh, we can teach all great moral lessons. Um, in that case, um, everyone, uh, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And restore the Snyderverse, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good night.